Let's pray as we proceed. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word and we pray for your voice and your presence in this time. Open your word to us and open our hearts to you. Shape us, guide us, and make us more as you would have us be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we said, this is the second week of Advent, the season where we remember Israel's waiting for the Messiah to be born, uh, to remind us of uh, our waiting for him to return and bring his kingdom in its fullness. And our passage today is the lectionary gospel passage for this Sunday. We've expanded it a little bit to not just look at John the Baptist, Jesus' forerunner, but also the um, kind of the kickoff to Jesus' ministry, his baptism as well. And John appears to be bit eccentric, perhaps we could say. Uh, he's wearing furry clothes, he's eating bugs and honey, and he's living in su such a way, the way he's described, I imagine he's probably some level of unkempt. Uh, but he's preaching, and he's preaching away from the cities and villages out in the wilderness, and yet people are flocking to him to be baptized as a sign of repentance. And it's worth asking ourselves how and why he's not in a convenient place. And his message is certainly not um, an easy one, necessarily. So what is it about him that's drawing people to him and his message, which can be summed up as repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And when we understand Certainly God is, is at work in and through John, and we see the Holy Spirit much more in the, f the foreground in Luke's gospel, even in, with regard to John, who he is in his work. But all the same, when we understand what he is saying and why he's saying it, maybe the flocking might make a little more sense. And in spite of his strange appearance, he may be calling to mind, his appearance might be calling, people, uh, calling to people's minds the ministry of Elijah, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, who also called his people to repentance. The location may very well remind them of their identity, their roots with God's covenant with them, God's promise with them, and their rescue from Egypt, their journey through the wilderness, and their crossing the Jordan into the land that God promised them. And so there may be a desire to live as the Lord's people, to live as God would have them live. And it might be mixed with some political desires as well. But ultimately, John's, but in, in a more holistic sense, John's message is one of repentance. And it is not simply a scolding, it is a repentance to receive his message is repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That's the same thing as the kingdom of God. Matthew sometimes prefers kingdom of heaven in his gospel. Whichever way it's referred to, it is the place where God has God's way. It is the rule of God, the, where, the place where things are as God would have them be. 
And we have this quote from Isaiah telling us what John is telling people to do. It's, it's, it's illuminating that. Prepare the way and make straight paths for the Lord. This is a turning from our sin and a turning to God. A turning to what God is doing. A, pre a preparing our, our hearts to receive him and his work. In the direct sense, John is preparing people for Jesus' ministry. And even from where we sit, this is a message that prepares us and aligns us with who our Lord is and what he is doing. This is instruction from John, but it's also an invitation to be part of what God is doing. And we see a couple parties show up. And they kind of show us how this message might clash for us. It's not an easy message, necessarily. It's been a while since I've preached on John the Baptist, and when I saw it come up in the lectionary this year, I kind of took a deep breath. There was a part of me, it was like, here we go again. But it is important, and it is good. And when we see these parties show up, and the Sadducees, the aristocratic party overseeing the, the functions of the temple, and we have the Pharisees, a party meticulous about keeping the law. They're both religious parties. These are, in our sense, these are people with good church attendance. These are people who know the scriptures well. And that's not to say those things aren't good. But when these parties show up, they show us, they, they call to mind, because they're good at these things, they call to mind the heart, the importance of the heart behind these things. Because we see them, these meticulously religious parties show up, and John calls them a brood of vipers. You're not missing a whole lot in the context. This is not a compliment. He's, he, he's probably naming their duplicity. Because as, as, the, as, as the events play out, we learned they're not really there to receive John's message. They're more there to try to see how John fits in with their agenda. Jesus exposes this much more directly later in the Gospels. They're not concerned with his message. They're more concerned about whether he's a threat, whether they need to speak out against him, how he relates to their positions, their positions of leadership, their positions of power, their positions of authority. And so outwardly, yet outwardly they exemplify faithfulness in this con their connection to their heritage, or at least that's what they project. But John's words tell us that they're not really showing proper regard for the very law that they claim to uphold and that John is calling people back toward, especially the moral demands of it. That's why he tells them, God can raise up descendants of Abraham from these rocks. And his point is that faith and faithfulness is the true heritage of Abraham. Our religious pedigree and heritage are not really what counts. It is faithfulness. John spells it out more directly when he says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. This is what he's calling people to do. 
our status, our position. They do not speak to us being part of God's kingdom. They don't speak to us participating in God's kingdom or doing God's kingdom work. What indicates it is fruit, what our lives are producing. And so John calls us to consider the question of what is the fruit of our lives? What is the fruit of our lives? Does it look like what we would expect in God's kingdom? Does it look like a life governed by the great commandments that Jesus calls us to, that Jesus sums up all of Scripture with, to love God with all we are and have, all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves? Is it producing the fruit of greed or the fruit of generosity? Is it producing the fruit of arrogance or the fruit of humility? the fruit of selfishness or of love. And we can expand this. We can look at our world and ask what the fruit is in various places. Whether there's destruction or peace, injustice or justice and righteousness. Is it harm or healing? Is there scarcity or provision? When things are not in line with God's kingdom, when the fruit is not what we would see in God's kingdom, we need to ask what needs to change and how. Repentance speaks to change. It can more literally refer to a turning or even a change of mind and thinking, but it speaks to change. Jesus or John speaks of Jesus when he's pointing to Jesus' ministry. He speaks of coming to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire is in this passage several times, and it has a very dynamic use in Scripture. It can refer, sometimes it can refer, it can refer to judgment. It can refer to uh, purification as with the, 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 the refining of precious metals. And it can refer to God's presence. And we don't necessarily have to delineate all of those things. John may be especially calling to mind the judgment and purification, especially with the work of the Holy Spirit. And so when he speaks of the Holy Spirit and fire, he's talking about the person and the method of change. The agent and the method of change. Who's going to change us? Who's going to change our world and how? Well, the Spirit of God will. And He will do so by purifying even in uncomfortable ways, in challenging ways. And He does so continually. Repentance is the, the act of turning from our sin and turning to God. But I've also heard it described more in terms of like a posture. And I really like that. It's a posture allowing us to be ready and willing to change as the Spirit leads, to move with God's Spirit. And so participate in what He is doing. This can be aspects of our lives not in line with God's kingdom. It can be parts of our world not in line with God's kingdom that He wants us to engage. Or it could be blessing and increasing what is good, what God is doing, and participating in that. 
like some of the ministries that we've, we, we, we mentioned earlier in the service. It's continually growing ourselves and continually bettering our world. It's a posture that seeks to, to not just change one and done, but to continually grow and grow the fruit that God is seeking. It might be a crude metaphor, but we see this in the tech industry, sort of, for all its flaws. But consider how much even just your phone has changed in just a couple decades. You know, it's un almost unrecognizable from, you know, what it was not so long ago. Now, don't get me wrong, some of this is the business of planned obsolescence. You know, we have a new way to charge your phone. Is it better? Well, it's new. And now you have to buy a new cord. But generally, yeah, the new models, they tend to have better cameras, more memory, faster processing, generally. They're always trying to get better. They're always trying to grow. Maybe something a little more close to home. We, uh, Kristen and I, hosted family for Thanksgiving. We repented from messiness. Um, our house is not always neat and tidy. We cleaned up to receive who was coming. And we had to do it again after they left. Now, I won't tell you whether or not I'm taking a posture of repentance in terms of repenting from messiness, but one would, if one would, were to do so, you would keep your house clean. You'd keep it in order. You'd keep it tidy. In, 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 in the sense of expecting someone Expecting to receive someone would drive you to do that. And such is our spiritual lives, as we're trying to, to stay close to the Lord that we know will return one day. We're continually trying to change, trying to grow, continually trying to move with his leading, with the voice of the Holy Spirit. All of this, all of the, 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 the growth, the change, all of the fruit that would be born in and through our lives is made possible by Jesus, of course. It's his kingdom, and it's his work. We are just responding to it. And we see his baptism kicks off his ministry and the inauguration of his kingdom, breaking into our world. And we have the, there's this heavenly endorsement with this voice from heaven testifying to everyone that this is God's son. This is the one through whom he brings his kingdom. And it's an endorsement, so it very much speaks to our need to listen to him. And it's also worth considering the love expressed toward Jesus by this heavenly voice. Yes, it's an endorsement, but it may also be encouragement for him. And if that's the case, then if this is something Jesus needs to hear, you better believe that the love of God is something we need to know. And that our world needs to know. All this is happening. 
all this work, Jesus' ministry, all that comes from it, all that he accomplishes, it happens because of the love of God. That's why God's kingdom breaks into our world. And that's why we are invited to be a part of it. That's probably the most memorized and quoted verse in the Bible. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. Not for God so tolerated the world. It doesn't say for God so put up with the world that he reluctantly set, sent his one and only son. No, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It all happens because of God's love. It's all moving forward today because of his love. And one day Jesus will bring his kingdom in, his full, in its fullness because of his love. And so as we walk with him, each and every day, he's, his spirit is going to highlight the different ways that he's working in and around us. Because Jesus wants God to have his way in us and in our world. He wants us to be part of that. And so John's words, the Baptist, John the Baptist's words in this passage, they continually, they remind us to remain receptive to this ongoing work. To turn from the things that would interfere with God and us. To interfere with the things that would get in the way or delay his work in the world. That is, to put our efforts into being with Jesus. To connect with Jesus so we can partner with him and, that, and so that his Holy Spirit can grow the fruit that God is seeking to grow in us and lead us in blessing and growing the fruit that he wants to see in our world. Ultimately, John's message is one of hope. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. I mean, there's a lot that could be said about it. There's a reason there's four Gospels and then a bunch of letters and books after that. Because the implications are, are huge. But in a simple way, we can state God is not done. He's not done with us. Not by a long shot. He's not done with this world. The kingdom of heaven has come near. God is still working. God is still having God's way. And we can be part of it. Do you want to be a part of it? Turn to God. Turn from your sin and turn to God. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And that is possible because Jesus has broken the power of sin, death, and evil through his death and resurrection. And even, and it's a continual journey walking with him, but we know it's worth it. And so during Advent, we anticipate his return. We anticipate his kingdom coming fully. And we anticipate the truth that one day his goodness is all that's going to remain in this world. But we and his world can know it now. If we turn from what gets in the way. 
and we turn to the Lord and we partner with his Holy Spirit to bear the fruit of repentance in ourselves and in our world. Let's continue worshiping as we celebrate the Lord's Supper.